Welcome to the world of stand-up. So, dude, I just wanted to say, you, you don't do these very much. No, actually, I've, I've made a commitment subconsciously for some reason. Sure. Not consciously, but subconsciously to not really do these. Well, I got to tell you, like, it has been a roping scenario trying to get you <laughs> and your tall drink of water ass in that chair with the cameras on. Yeah, it's been And it's beautiful months. that you're here. It's amazing. We actually are doing it. We are doing this. We're doing it, yeah. I mean, I was like, you, were, you would call me up and be like, sorry, I'm hanging out with Mike Tyson right now. I can't do that point. And I'm like, yeah, fine. Yeah, it's stupid excuses. They had a mic for me. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. What a darling guy. I bet, dude. Yeah. When I hear the people that you're rubbing elbows with, I'm like, that is... Thanks. Okay, so when you're around... Hey, can we rub some elbows? Hell yeah. Mine's circumcised, so it's a little cleaner. Mine's not circumcised, yeah, so. and you've got a bandage on it still, so that's yeah. Well, so this is something I'm curious because you you have been around a lot of celebrity. I won't say plural yeah. as an individual, but like you've been in like the realm of celebrity where you're working mm. with people that have followings and that, that are known okay, and influential gotcha. and things I like see that. What, you mean. Mm-hmm. what is one of the things that you've noticed that m- m- normal people wouldn't guess about celebrity? Yeah, you know, I think you really nailed it without even nailing it, which is they're they're super normal people and they deal with some real problems of of doubt and insecurity and when the cameras aren't rolling, um there's a lot of deeply considered am I doing this okay? Am I am I all right? Imagine, <laughs> you know, imagine you just with three more zeros on your listeners right. and it's the same thing. Yeah. And so one thing that I love pressure's more the pressure's on, yeah. I mean, you're, there's a spotlight on you. There's more consideration about what you're going to say, how you say it. Oh, he looks like he's in a bad mood, or wow, he really fucked that one up today. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, there's a lot of uh, just simple, you know, having stakes with Mike Tyson, you know, in between shooting, we're just shooting the shit on the most random things. And, and, it seems and, like he has a really wide knowledge base for being a prize fighter is his career, you know? Yeah, dude, he is a sage, emotional, sensitive thinker. And seeing that, people say that t- that boxing is a thinking man's sport. Yeah. And I really got that from him. You know, he used boxing to express his primal anger and that, and that, that feroc- the ferociousness that he possesses. But his thinking is what got him to the top, not just his physical form. Yeah. which is a really cool thing. So to answer your question about celebrity, it's funny when you even ask that because I I don't even think about that, even though I love being around these names and I love being able to serve them. And it's exciting to me. And I'm committed to getting wisdom extracted from people. For the last 10 years, I've been a guy who does films or music that is focused on extracting wisdom and and creating transformational media. I don't do any fiction. I don't... Yeah. I've never done a Hollywood film. I don't do e-commerce videos. Like I'm very niche down into looking at someone and extracting their story on a transformational posture. And so when I'm in that, in the spirit of that, the container is always in this, this collective, like how can we serve the people we're making this content for? Does that make sense? Yeah. So even though I'm with them, we're not like partying like rock stars, trying to make some sort of comedy movie that, gets picked up at the award season. You know, it's like, we really want to make something that helps someone overcome doubt or insecurity or, or think about themselves with a more honest view. Um, now I still party like, 
I still like partying like a rock star in Tulum. I wish I was there right now. And weren't you just I there just a little, back. Like last week? Oh, my gosh, dude. Holy <laughs> shit, bro. Have you been? I haven't been to Tulum. Never, not yet. I'll take you. Okay. Yeah, as long as you show up like that dude. I can bring my naked self to Tulum. <laughs> Abs popping and, you know, Trap City. It'll be good. Yeah. It'll be fine. There's, a, there's like a, a name for guys like us who go out there. Okay. Guys like us, and what, no, 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 for guys like us, meaning people that are confident and that are not airy fairy, kind of effeminate, like just flowing around. I'm a digital nomad with, you know, I'm just trying to be, uh, trying to live my best life. Like men who go out there who are like, hey, dude, like we're real men. They call them Tulum daddies. Okay. And you look, even right now, like you would fit that very well. It's probably because I I would. Because you are. Yeah, I see it in you. See, that's you bring up an interesting point about oh, really? identity. Oh, really? There are things underneath the surface that are a part of my identity that I'm not even aware of, and that is true for every single individual. I I like your identity, dude. Thank you. Because we've we've you know hung out a few times. Yeah, dude. I I consider you a, a friend. Yeah, like we have this 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 banter yeah. every time we're around each other. Like, oh, oh, hey. Yeah. You we know, can, we, we go to that we go to that level. We get, yeah. You and I have an extra gear, and it just kind of it goes well. I love it. Yeah. Do you see that? I just licked my lips while I did. You were talking about Is that. that a Tulum Subconsciously, daddy thing? I don't think so. But someone brought up recently because I'm a single guy. <laughs> someone got up recently. <laughs> They're like, when you're talking to a girl, don't lick your lips. And when I'm talking, I lick my lips all the time. I was like, oh my gosh, have I? What do you like, LL Cool J and shit? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's up, babe? Yo. Mm. I need an around the way girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I need some chapstick, bro. Exactly. So I, so I, I've been more present to my own bodily mannerisms, you okay. know. Because have you studied a whole lot of, um, like, I'm, I'm sure you've studied the subconscious and maybe yeah. hypnosis or maybe uh, the ways that we expose ourselves with language Tells, that isn't. Yeah. yeah. Have you studied tells. that much? Not from like a body language aspect. I've done like I, I've invested a lot of uh, time and resource into. Um, this training program called Upgrade. It's ran oh, by cool. William Lamb, and uh, there's a couple of other really powerful individuals. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, and it's subconscious mental programming. Yeah, got where it. Where you basically, our subconscious is a deep well where there's a lot of patterns, a lot of beliefs, a lot of stories running, a lot of filters, a lot of, to use WordPress speak, plugins that yeah. can fuck shit up or yeah. make it good. And taking responsibility for that as a creator of my own reality and experience has been a, a really different like mind fuck. <laughs> Why? Well, because it's the dance. It's like, we live in this world. You've done a lot of self-development work and work yeah. on yourself. And so you, yeah, yeah. if I was to say, is it true, Jeremy, that you create your life? I'm pretty sure that you would say, of course, you're like, yes, I create my life that you understand that you have a, a, a responsibility to the results and experiences that you have. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a spectrum in how we choose to interpret that. I would add to your thing, which Jeremy is creating my life today? Right. Because I've also done, dived into the subconscious stuff. In fact, last year I hired someone. She has this process called SRT, subconscious release therapy. And we talk about what's going on and I'd breathe in. I'd hold my breath because her thesis was, hey, when when you hold your breath, the ears have access to the subconscious brain. I was like, wow, that's Whoa, very interesting. I didn't interesting. know that, okay. Yeah, so I'd, hold, I'd breathe in, I'd hold my breath, and she would talk to me and say, I release the doubt, 
of the judgment of the this and this around relationships with my father. <sighs> and then I'd like let go. And we go 10 or 10 of these. And then I do it again and she'd fill me up. You know, I'm a conscious being of, of power and light and creativity and I'm open and healed. And I found that it was oddly effective. And I've done 10 years of everything you can imagine. Right. I've walked on the coals with the Godfather, Tony Robbins. I've gone to Seal Fit and done excruciating, like really challenging physical events. Right. I've gone into the jungles and done DMT. I've done all the psychedelics. I've done all the personal development challenges. I helped build a you've personal development. Ev- you've built. You've done every 30-day challenge in the development world? Yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> no, but I just, I tried a lot and... and and I was like, man, you know, this is this sounds a little weird, but you know, I'm a little weird, so yeah. fine, I'll try it. I found that it was really interesting, and, and my relationships got better with my 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 mom and and with money. And I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Well, see, where where I was going with that is I, I appreciate that beautiful description of your experiences and how it works. Because uh, yes, of course, my boy. The uh, the point is that you know, if if we acknowledge that we have a, a creative uh, responsibility, yeah. Even in apathy, if we don't want yeah. to acknowledge it, we're still creating something. Yeah. That it's a matter of like awareness as far as like what am I doing in this moment or not doing that's creating a certain result. And then it expands out. And a lot of the work that I have done with upgrading the subconscious and all that has been trying to just kind of let go. The concept of surrender. I realized from experiences in my childhood and how I was raised and right. and different aspects of, you know, relationships that I've had and the whole thing, it's it becomes very easy to like start to see yourself in this weird lens that has nothing to do with you. And, mm. but you've created that experience on some level. Mm. So it's like this labyrinth maze trying to get the fuck out of all of that mess so that you can stand so that I can stand, you can stand in your power. Like mm. that's such a trite thing. Stand in your power, girl. But, come on, baby. Come on, you boss bitch. Like it's, but like seriously, like standing in a space where you're like, look, none of it matters except for me and how I choose to feel about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so a, body language. I haven't studied a bunch of that, but I, I get it. I get that, you know, there's a tell in every move that we make and uh, there's a science behind it. Do you want to know like a pattern I've witnessed? Yes. Please. That I'm fascinated by. Okay. Actually two of them, two patterns. The first one will be random. When you're at a restaurant, I've like this moment helped me see into the matrix. I was like, oh my gosh. Have you heard of groupthink before? Of course. I was like, this is groupthink happening in real time. I've tested this for years. Next time you go to a restaurant, and for all you listeners out there, try this. And for all you viewers, you will notice that regardless of if it's a five-star steak-like restaurant, or three-star Michelin, which I, there's only a couple of those on the planet. Or if you are at, um, you know, not bad place, but Applebee's. Sure. Okay? <laughs> All right? There's a spectrum here. There's stuff below Applebee's, but, sure. you know. Somewhere with an actual, like, waiter. Okay. Not fast food. They will always have the same exact question. And I was like, how is this happening? And they always walk up to you after you've ordered and you've started eating. Have you noticed... I'm going to ask you if you can remember what they've told you. It's going to be something about how's everything going, how things taste, how's... Yeah, close, close. Not quite yet. It's about the experience where I don't, I don't know the exactness. But they I'm... say this exact thing, and, I okay. will, and I've tested this, bro. Okay. And test this going forward. 
hey, are we still doing okay? Interesting. Yeah, that's hey. exactly what they say. Hey, are we still doing okay? Hey, are we still doing okay? Hey, are we still doing okay? And I was like, after a while, I just sat there. And I started asking them questions like, excuse me, I look, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not even trolling you. I just have a genuine question. When you're going through your, your training, did someone teach you to say that when you walked up to a patron? Because obviously your training is very intentional. Sure. And they're like, they'd always do this stare like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I got that from. And for like two or three years, from 2017 to 2000, probably 19, before the pandemic, I would just ask them, and everyone said, I don't know. I don't know where I got that from. And they're like, I, I just say it. Yeah, just say it. I was like, man, that's like, that's groupthink at its finest. That's like slaying times 10. Hey, are we still doing okay? Yeah. And I found so fascinating with that pattern, but that's completely random, just something that popped into my well, head. Well, what you're, what you're sharing is there's so many examples of that that are even deeper. Yeah. Like you, tell, you talk about groupthink. The tribalism of politic right now. Yeah, oh my like, gosh. There are certain Let's things where, like, we don't even know why we have an opinion about something because yeah. we're in this group think group yes. of, well, this is the tenets of what we should be, you know, spouting about. And exactly. And they over there aren't like me. So, you know, eh. Mm-hmm. And when you get, I, I, I miss the days when at least my perception <clears throat> was that you didn't have to be in the group to have developed an opinion, you could mm-hmm. have developed the opinion first and then chose who you want to lead you, if we're talking politics, or to represent you, not lead you, represent mm-hmm. you. Um, but, and there's a stuff in relationship. Every t- Like, look at social media when people pop in their stories. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's the same six words that they say every single time. Yeah. And then you scroll on because you're already bored because yeah. part of your mind is like, oh, that, like you, you psychologically in that subconscious, like, this isn't interesting to me. This isn't original. Bye-bye. Exactly. And the getting to the pattern that I was most fascinated with, because you actually spoke into it perfectly, being around a lot of people, and you're around a lot of guys, a lot yeah. of women, a lot of high achievers, I feel like one of the patterns that is absolutely being dismantled right now, because we've just seen it played out for at least a decade. I mean, it's been playing out for hundreds of years, sure. but from a social media, like in your face way, the hustle achiever lifestyle is Ugh. being dismantled. And I've uh, and when you're speaking of, hey, what's it like to being with certain celebrity or being around that, you know, there's some that are true to true to form and they're true to themselves, and others who are really um they've really played out the let me just like show everyone that I'm the best by by getting everything and by just looking like the best. Yeah. And the level of unhappiness that I witness with these people is so evidential across multiple industries or multiple uh, expressions that I'm like, wow, man, it's it's really it's not even that cool anymore to try to show show yourself and be the best. It's cool to be your best, but what's even cooler is to really live a good, rich life with yeah. good relationships, not like, oh my gosh, yeah, okay. I'm hustling my ass off. So, you know, man, my relationship with my father, my mother, my siblings, and my friends are really fall apart. I used to, I, I struggled big time with that, where my friends and my family and these relationships really fell apart on my come up when I was trying to, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself, I'm going to build, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And uh, there's a really interesting Harvard study about, they studied men over the course of 100 years and the quality of their life. 
and they found that the number one thing that dismantled men was alcohol and his substance abuse. And the number one thing that kept a man in a rich life was his friendships, not his marriage and not even his kids. It was actual friendships. Like they studied this for a hundred years and go look at it. It's a great study that Harvard put out and they really make a case for the quality of your life really comes down to the quality of your relationships. And how many times are we like seeing people flex their relationships online yeah. with their friends in like a quality, healthy, like, hey, I could have done that deal or I could have sacrificed for an extra $10 million on the enterprise value of my company. But instead, I took those vacations and I invested in those friendships. And yeah, I still had a great liquidity event, still built a great company, but I have the quality of my life intact. And that that is actually becoming the, the new standard, which is like, great, I love that you can achieve, but Hey, dude, I how are you? I think it's becoming you? the new standard out of necessity, though. Exactly. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring this up because I've had these swirling thoughts over the last couple of days respective to this exactly. And I think that it lends itself as well to one of those groupthink ideas yeah. where <clears throat> for oh, some— Oh, that's what's cool. Yeah, oh, I'm going to do that. We elevate money and the achievement of it to cover up sins that if the money was gone, we would never put up with. Yeah. We look at individuals like there's here in Salt Lake, there's a lot of, you know, influential people that, you know, have massive followings that, you know, have tons of adoration coming back at them. Yeah. yeah. And when, and oftentimes when you get to like, for me, when I've gotten to know some of them, I'm like, oh, that guy's a real deal. Yeah. Really good guy. Really good guy. Yeah. And other times I'm like, oh, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And I get angry at, society for elevating that fucking guy yeah, for because that. it's only because of the appearance of influence that he has any say. He's not articulate. He's not smart. He's just, he did something funny. It's like, or did something that got him to a place where he had this appearance of success. Mm. And oftentimes the appearance of success is nonsense too. It's like when you get into the, you know, financials or whatever, it's a yeah. bunch of, you know, shell yeah. game. This is going over here. This is whatever. Yeah. Um, and, I want to say that too, because that's a that's a very important thing. I've, I've noticed uh, when when individuals, myself included, when we elevate certain people to be at a standard, not knowing the full story, it's kind of an icon worship. It's like this hero mm -hmm. worship stuff, mm -hmm. and there's not a good ending to any of that. No, no, especially being with some of these quote unquote heroes, yeah, and sitting with them and just being just seeing their candor and seeing the quality of their communication, seeing how they treat people. Um, some are just absolute darlings and others are like kind of just preoccupied, you know, they're yeah. with themselves. They're the center of the universe. And that's fine. You know, it's not, but it's about like what you're saying, which is making that the thing yeah. to pursue. And I think any smart person these days who's at least lived a lot, because what I'm, we're not doing right now is we're not throwing rocks. It's no, no, looking no. at it with a critical eye of like, yeah. hey, you know, all right, it's played out. I've had a season of, of a lot of um, hustle for years and years, trying to like reach that. And I got to do an assessment of how am I? Am I happy? Am I sad? Am I, am I lonely? Am I, what am I, what do I, what do I feel guilt and shame about? And it usually came down to relationships and how I was taking care of myself and mm -hmm. loving and just keeping health. And it's, it's fun to just let those layers kind of slide off and to come back you know, two circles ago to what you were saying, which is to, you know, the real power is to really just be you. Yeah. And to enjoy that. And yes, you know, go build wealth and go build a cool company and, and you know, be pro prolific in that because money is extremely important in this. If you want to really want to play the game of life, 
just figure out the money game and play that game, but don't have that be your game, yeah. the game, capital T, you know. There's two things that came up as I was listening to you describe that so eloquently. The first one is is that um, I, I fully endorse and agree with you that it's not just an idea, but people, especially men, <laughs> they need to go get money. Yeah. There is a self, really there's a growth and a self-awareness that occurs in the pursuit of it, mm-hmm. in the management of it, in yeah. the growth of it, in how people handle you. Yeah. It really is a magnifier. It's an like, excellent personal development device. <laughs> it is. It's like you, because you, I mean, even in relationship, as you say, like a high value man, part of being a high value man is having resources. Yeah. And high value men have options. And when high value men have options, then they're exposed to having to stay within the options that they think are the best ones or that they've committed to mm-hmm. in the temptation or in the face of other options that might seem more appealing at the time. Mm-hmm. It's a real crazy place to be in. And most men, don't get that opportunity to test themselves. You know, Bill Burr has a really funny bit where he talks about Love um, Bill Burr. He's a savage. He's yeah, so yeah. he's so smart about social issues and has a <clears> way <throat> to put them in a bit that is just like, of course, you're laughing your head off the whole time. He talks about how basically the gold digging whore is a problem. Like we have these women whose whole like modus operandi is to go get the guy and get his money and they throw themselves at these rich dudes and it has this thing and then he uses you know the example of tiger woods that people judged him when it came out that he had all these mistresses and he cheated on his wife and everything and he's like we don't even know how much pussy he turned down Hmm. like you don't have a bevy of swedish models waiting for you to come off the tour bus right that you have to say no to. Like, you parked your Corolla next to the dumpster on your way into Chili's, dude. Like, (laughs) you don't know what that's like, okay? So the idea that these, you know, inferior men are judging a man and his experiences like they did Tiger is truly laughable. It's like, you have no point of reference, homie. So there's that. There's a test. Yeah. Yeah. Guys Given the test, what would you do, bro? Right. And most of these chubby fucks would be like the same thing Tiger did. They would give in or they would think they're better. And then all of a sudden that option would become more than an option. It would become something they're doing. That's, yeah, I, that's why you have so much issue. It's like I've talked about this before. The energy of ambition and of going to get money and sexual energy are very close together in their frequency. Yeah. And that's why yeah. successful men struggle with that. That's why... Mm-hmm it's way easier for a successful guy to be unfaithful to his wife. That's mm-hmm. way easier for a successful guy to be like, fuck it, I'm going to go do a line of blow and get a hooker. I'm here yeah. in Vegas. What's all yeah. good? While having a beautiful family at home. Like, poor guys don't deal with that. Not because they wouldn't have the same issue or temptations, which shines a further light on the ones that have done the actual work that stay stalwart in their commitments. The other thing that I wanted to, mm, to say good. Um, relative to that is that you know, in the in the respect to hero worship and all this, it, it it really is that we're all just kind of doing our own thing, and we get we get to be more kind to ourselves. I had this, uh, you know, talk about the friendships being the way that you know a, a, a strong quality of life is built is through your friendships, your relationships clearly. But like men really need other men as friends. You know, not too not too long ago, I was in uh, Laguna with Keith Yaki. Love he that guy. started that. Oh, he's yeah. salted. I just put out his documentary yesterday. Oh hell yeah! Dude. He just I did one. You're gonna like it. Okay, I can't like wait it. to see it. The married. Dude, he's such a. He's such a unique man. Yeah. In the best way possible. Yeah. He so loves much joy. Friendship. So much love. Loves well, he started that brotherhood called the Ascend Brotherhood, mm-hmm. and he had been inviting me to that for months, and I just had reason after reason why I couldn't go, and then I decided just in December to go, and I went to that weekend. And it was truly transformative for me. I realized through the experience of those men and the friendships and the accountability and the competition that was a part of that, that 
I had been lacking that in such a dangerous way. Mm. And I had this moment of love for myself where I said, well, if I've been able to achieve the things that I've done now without that, look out, man. And I shared my experiences on this podcast and my social about it. And droves of men reached out to me. They're like, dude, how do you get that? Like, where do you get that? That's not offered to people anymore. That like true brotherhood and friendship where it's a safe place where you can go bust each other's balls. You can share your ills. You can be fully yourself even when you're fucking up and doing the wrong thing. And they will support you and not, you know, not endorse any bad behavior, but like still be there to love you. Like that's how men elevate to being more powerful and more high value. What Keith has created that, I mean, we got another weekend that's coming up next weekend, heading out there again. And I can't wait because full disclosure, there's been some really, really dark times, even in the last few weeks Mm. in my life. I got very, very uh, sick with some, I hadn't been that sick in 10 years, Mm. dealing with other, you know, awareness, emotional things, trying to, you know, embrace my own greatness and not fall to the idea that I'm not great and... Is that what puts you into a state of darkness? Was feeling like you're not doing good enough? Yeah, I had like a really bad bout of imposter syndrome. Really? Where Mm. I was like, I have the appearance of all these things, but it's a fucking joke behind the scenes, man. Yeah, yeah. And then I I realized, I'm like, well, it's a joke for everybody behind the scenes. Let's be honest. Like, nobody's got all this shit fully figured out. Yeah. Well, and if it's a joke for everyone, it's a joke for no one. It's just accepting what it really is. Right. And knowing like, it's cool. It's okay to have a highlight real lifestyle uh, as a leader because you can't show everything, but it's okay to also show the uh, moments you're falling apart. I have a lot of experience with the brotherhood stuff because I helped yeah, you grow, a warrior, a, yeah. grow, uh, grow a company called Wake Up Warrior with a guy named Garrett White. And um, it was 2013 to 2018. I served as a creative officer. Served and, like it was a mission. And CMO, yeah. I mean, I really I called, felt like The prophet that. told me I was going to go to Laguna Beach. And yeah, you know, I grew up Mormon. Me too. And left the church at 19, mostly because of a cultural thing. And I never really had a relationship with Christ. And uh, not until like my 20s did I actually encounter hmm. like the power of what Christ really is. But that's another topic we can get into if you want. And um, I was in a searching, I was a man boy dude at 24. And uh, I was in a rock band. We had well, that's one of the things that we ha- I haven't really even introduced you. You are an, a phenomenal musician and, Thanks, and performer. Dude. I yeah, rock your shit on Spotify. It's in the top of my list every serious? year. When I get, oh, oh yeah, dude. Man. That that most recent single that you had. I'm forgetting reasons. The name. Reasons. I love she that song. She had reasons, dude. It's so good. <laughs> oh man, I've did got, you write that and produce yeah. that song yourself? Yeah, I wrote and produced. That's a banger. Thanks, bro. It's I've, so good. You know, I wrote that from a girl. It was a real. It was like a girl, real breakup. My last yeah. breakup. Usually. These days, because I, I play two lives, I have the musical life, which there's some really cool results there. Emmy nominated for a song in 2020. I put out records for the last 10 years. I've toured. I've played big shows. Been on the news. Yeah. So I, you know, and I, I, I produce. I'm classically trained. That's like my original you're love. Phenomenal at your talent. Thank you, man. I can tell that you've worked. You're not just talented. You're you've worked at it. Like I can tell the level of expert. I'm a musician myself. I play yeah. piano and guitar oh, sweet, and sing sweet. a little bit. And, and uh, so, like, I look at you, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy not only was blessed by God, but he took it and ran. Dude, I love to learn, man. Like, I can tell. I was homeschooled my whole life. Born at home, homeschooled. Born at home. Born at home, homeschooled, okay. no vaxxed ever on anything, maybe a tetanus shot or something, because I had a, a, a rusty nail stepped on. But 
I, um, my mom was really explicit about one thing. She's like, hey, we're going to do a lot of things, a lot of activities growing up. Bless her heart. She's, you know, five kids at home, uh, homeschooled all of them growing up. So she's a freaking gangster and she's the most angelic person you'll ever meet. She's amazing. I think I met her once. Was she at that when we ran into each other at the Galvin Center ice skating several years ago? Was yeah. she there with you? Yeah, she was. I think I met her. That's cool. You remember that, brother? Of course, dude. Got a mind like an elephant, bro. <laughs> I could use some of that. I could honestly use some of that mind because these days I get I'm losing some of my memory. I gotta work on that. But the point is, um, she's she made a distinction early on. She's like, instead of teaching you what to learn, I really want you to get how to learn. Oof. And it taught me how to ingest and how to look at something and look at the challenge of getting that knowledge into me and, and never feeling intimidated by it. Even though, if you look at me, dude, I have no GED, no college education, but how does a no GED college education guy become the CMO of an eight-figure company or start a, his own million-dollar company or work with all these greats? And yeah. it comes down to just what these days it's all about, which well, is competency. Well, you might not have a piece of paper, but you are very educated. I love Highly to learn. Educated, like yeah. Because that was the priority. It was like, yeah. study but like study things you really want to know. And I loved entrepreneurship and I loved art. And I, I studied classical music because I love the language of music. It's math. It's math and it's art and it's God's like beautiful expression of this mysterious universal language. And so I just fell in love with that, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, when I think about nowhere i had some sort of punchline but i forgot it well dude like it's i love that you bring that <clears> up because regardless of your filmmaking you could come on here as an emmy nominated you know recording artist and i would be like this is still jeremy finlay yeah thanks dude here's this song reasons that it's popping up the charts man like, right here's this right. album like you have a christmas album right no for some reason i thought you did but. i sing a lot of christmas music I, this year is my next my next big project is a christmas record okay because I just love Dude, that's singing. a cash cow, bro. You get into the right ethos with that, and all of a sudden, every year, you get, the, you get that Mariah Carey money. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's what I'm going for, baby. I love Christmas music, dude. And every year, I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I not do it this year? I've sung it like, I've done some Christmas stuff. We had actually, we wrote a Christmas song, Coldplay Christmas song for Southern California uh, last year. Wait, and it was on the news. Coldplay? No, a Coldplay style. Sorry oh, about I that. Because okay. I usually sing uh, like a... Uh, how you know, I'll be home for yeah. Christmas, very jazz, like a crooner of jazz, yeah, because yeah. that's nice during Christmas. Beautiful. But this one, we were like, dude, let's go like pop rock banger, okay. and it was so much fun, dude. And that got some some hit, but I haven't done like the rich Christmas thing yet. Maybe this year. Okay, so I have a request. If when when you do your Christmas, is this a song request? Yes. Okay, cool. What you got? So my favorite non Christmas Christmas song on a Christmas album. It's a lot of Christmases. It is. Is the final track on Harry Connick Jr.'s When My Heart Finds Christmas album. Okay. Which is What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? Cool. It's my favorite. I've I just never got to say in the name. But when when we're off mic here, I'll show you a little blip of it. It okay. is a phenomenal song about cool. asking a girl, it might be too late, but what are you doing Christmas New Year? Not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. What are you doing New Year's Eve? And for the end of an album. To have that be because it's a Christmas thing, and then there's a New Year's Eve song. It's just the perfect touch. Wow! And uh, please show me that because I, <clears throat> am a... I think you could do it <clears throat> phenomenally. Okay, 
wow. in, in your style, and that would, it would be it would be beautiful. Really? Yeah, because it, it actually matches with your energy. The whole thing, as far as like the, the messaging of the song, you'll you'll hear it and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's yeah, it's a very Finlay song. Finlay song. Yeah. I like that. I even have a, a brand yeah. of song now. You do. You have like a. You're like a cooler. And I hope this doesn't offend you. I don't think it would. But you're like a cooler version of Michael of uh, Michael Bublé. Oh wow. Buble, if you're listening, and you, you, I like your voice way better than Michael Buble. No kidding, really? Yeah, yeah. he seems like a nerd that got lucky because he had a good voice. <laughs> and you're not a nerd; you're bohemian. <laughs> I'm bohemian as fuck, for sure, dude. <laughs> I mean, I could see you singing a Christmas special with your nipples out because you have like just a flowy shirt. You know exactly, what I'm that's yeah. how it would go. Of I wouldn't course. wear a suit. I would dress. I would. I would probably dress like a... You'd be like, Lenny Kravitz, this is for you. I borrowed your style for a minute. Yeah, it'd be Lenny Kravitz meets Frank Sinatra. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Dude, what a... What a con- you know, you've heard about this chat GPT thing, right? Dude, I baked it into my... I built an app. I baked the API into my, into my app. So I know all about it. Okay. Yeah, I love the idea, and it's very powerful. So... I'm thinking the evolution of that is going to be music at some point. Yeah, you know, there's going to be like, I want to hear Frank Sinatra meets Lenny Kravitz, and they'll be able to figure out how to create those styles together in a way that you could hear. You know, they actually have that. Oh, they do? In its most infancy form, because it's all digital. Sure. It's all digital music. You know those old um, those old uh, rap, I can't forgot what it's called. It's like the, the way that automatic pianos read sheet music Midi? back in the... It was before MIDI was digital. Oh, like the scroll thing. Like yeah. Dee, 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 yep. dee. Mm-hmm. Okay. How pianos used to do that. Yeah, yeah. So they took that logic and baked that into like a chat GPT format. And you can actually ask it and it'll spit out a digital machine style of any, of you could do that. But it just obviously sounds like absolute dog shit. But it's like, they're trying and you're like, oh, yeah. wow, they actually did it. You know, okay. it's so fascinating, bro. The language, so it's large language models, because people are like, oh my gosh, it's it's intelligent. You're like, no, what it's done is it's, it's just- an algorithm, really. It's literally just understands the pattern of language, right. and language happens to be how we interface as people, how we take our mind and put it into words. So we feel like it's intelligent, but it's just language patterns. So which, it's not conscious, it's just, it's an, it's a basically a very complex algorithm that knows if this, then that, and they can- yeah, it's an if this then that times a million. Right. And so that's why it can feel so intuitive. But it's also why a magician can walk up to you and based on a couple things of, of reading you, can like read your mind or read the card. It's right. kind of a trick. Right. It's not a real he's not actually clairvoyant, right? So these things aren't actual intelligence. Eventually, I mean they say over the next ten years it will be, but that'll be an interesting one. Dude, I gotta talk to you about this. Um I, I stumbled across this show way. on Apple TV Plus. Oh, here we go. Called Foundation. Bro. Have you, you watched it? Oh my gosh. I love Foundation. Dude, I just finished the, the first season. You did? Like about a, two weeks ago. Oh yeah. my gosh. Welcome to the Foundation Roadshow, dude. dude. That show was bonkers. To right? Me. Yes. Okay, so bonkers. for those of you that haven't seen, you need to go check it out. But the premise of the show is that there was this really powerful, intuitive mathematician yeah. that figured out some sort of algorithmic equation that could predict high population <clears throat> models and where they're going. And there's this empire that rules the galaxy, basically, and he predicts the fall yes. of this empire. Yes. And then you watch it kind of unfold as this fantasy thing, but the backdrop is always the math. Yes. And the idea that it's always math. Mm-hmm. 
Even consciousness on a core level is math. Mm -hmm. The way something tastes is mathematic. The way you feel something, the chemicals in your body that make you feel good, it's math. And it makes perfect sense that, of course, the math would expand out to the prediction of the future. Mm -hmm. Dude, I watched that show. Like I, I was like, I was blown away. Oh, bro. And the visuals and the music and the aesthetic so well and done, the cinematography. Dude. Yeah, but the thesis of the movie. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's one of the original works of science fiction that really yeah, hit. Yeah, Isaac Asimov stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, Dune and Star Wars and these things came from Isaac's work. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because I, I get geeky man. about this stuff. Yeah. You know, do you know who Naval is? Naval. Naval. He's a famous venture capitalist okay, in no, Silicon Valley. I was just listening to this morning during my workout, and he talked about reduction, reductionist math and how a lot of what we think about the universe has been not observable by actual humans. It's been observable by, by theory or observable by instruments or observable by, like we've never observed dinosaurs. Dude, that's dinosaurs. what belief is. Exactly. We've, we've, observed, we've never observed dinosaurs. Yeah, we we just, believe, yeah. but we're just looking at fossilized bones, thinking, oh, wow. And so he's talked about reductionist math and how, I'll tell <laughs> that's you. so great. You ever dude. heard about what reductionist math is? No, tell me. So, I hadn't either until today, and this is stuff that I geek out about that I never talk about, so it's cool that there's even a space to even talk about it. Heck yeah, dude. So reductionist math is the idea that because you look at the history, to you look at the past to predict the future, right? Okay. And they say Which that, is flawed, by the way. Which is flawed, and they say, well, if the sun rose today, then it'll probably rise tomorrow. And so scientists, when they're doing math, and they were doing it in quantum physics, they were like doing this reductionist his historical based, because this happened, this will happen in the future. And they said, well, if that's true, then scientifically, if boiling water reaches, if boiling water starts and it just keeps going, based on the, re the rate of boil of getting to 212 degrees or however long it is, then based on that rate of boil, it should go up to a million degrees. But they're like, but actually, you can't use reductionist math for most things in life because things hit what's called a boiling point. Right. Water will boil at a certain level and it won't continue to go. And so when they're like, let's look at the past and, you know, that's how it's going to go. It's like people say the past, the past repeats itself or they say history rhymes. And it's like, actually, it doesn't. Pattern, you know, patterns in human... Humans are humans, so yeah, maybe there's some rhyming in human history. Well, what if it has to do as well with, you know, with I know with the work you've done, I've had this happen where you're trying to heal generational trauma inside of you. Oh yeah, a version. What of a great topic. You, forty years ago, that was your grandfather or whatever that was doing some shit that recreated something. You're recreating it based off of things that were on a cellular level yeah. brought to you that yeah. you haven't released. Yeah, exactly. One could think that that could, you know, work in that reductive math sort of scenario, but it actually doesn't because it's not required to continue. Mm -mm. You can adjust it and you can yeah. heal it. And you're not him. Yeah. Which is great. You're just like your father, they say. Oh my gosh, you're just like your mother. It's like, no. I've got, and I, as I get older, I really get that. Like, wow, I, I have some... I have well, my it's confirmation bias at that point. It's not actual truth. Right. You're just like your dad. Well, I did three things he used to do. So <laughs> exactly. I guess I'm like him. Like, well, no, that's not. Generational actual. healing, bro, is a real thing. Yeah. Like, whether you're going spiritually at it, like praying it out, doing uh, uh, 
medicine journeys or or going to a church or going something to like really clear that stuff out or you're doing reductive like hey you're going back into extended family members and understanding things and healing that and i mean i really believe there's people who are coming online getting woken up escaping the matrix to use the most like dumb term yeah (laughs) is is uh we're we're the we are the change in our generation like i'm the change in my generational lineage i'm the in terms of the trajectory of how things have been going i'm like i'm i'm the one who was like nope we're going this way you know and there's a lot of friends that i'm with where they're like they feel this this call there's like they heard the dog whistle it's invisible the most but they hear it and it motivates a lot of really hard work that most of our family our friends people in society are unwilling to do because there's some people that are like we are the ones that are willing to go into the darkness and make those changes and reset the frame because some people don't have the the um like the grit to go into the place to do the really hard work. They just need a, they just, it, it's a different story for them. Right. And some people are like the generational, the generational shift. And um, it's a really powerful thing. I watched one of our, our friend Garrett White's videos a couple mm-hmm. of days ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a film of, it was a clip of him at, at an event that he was putting on. I don't know which event it was, but he was talking about how the challenge of men right now is to lead in light, not because yeah. we're scared of the darkness, but because we're familiar with it. Yeah. And that when you go into the darkness, there should be no fear in the darkness, and that we can use the darkness and the language of darkness and the action of darkness to be light workers. Mm. I loved that. As somebody that grew up religious, yeah. there is a very real fear of the dark. Yeah. And <clears throat> from a young age, I always felt this disconnect with the messaging of religion in relationship to sin and darkness and the other more base emotions that are lower vibrating emotions. Because I thought to myself, like, doesn't God know what these are? Doesn't he have these mastered? Mm. In order to have mastered them, doesn't that mean he had to dive in? Doesn't he have to know? In order for Jesus Christ to be able to forgive an unfaithful man, doesn't he have to understand every decision along the way that created that experience for him? Mm. Doesn't he have to understand the feelings of lack and need and excitement and all? Doesn't he have to understand that palette to be able to be able to forgive that? And to, because let's be real, forgiveness has a part of it that is justification. If you're going to be forgiven, there's a sense where you're like, I get it. You're justifying. You're not, well, justification, not in the sense of like approval, but justification is like, that equation is an equation that adds up properly. Hmm. And I always found that interesting. It's like, so why, why is there this fear? Why is it that we're the most, the most engaging and beautiful men that I know, people that I know have been in the pit hmm. and they came out and they go, yeah, look at the pit. Hmm. I'm not scared of it anymore. No. Don't need to go in there. And the pit comes back. Oh, and for sure. It doesn't go away. It's not know. a singular event you walk through. No. You get a new pit. Yeah. It's a relationship. New levels, new devils, baby. Yeah. And there's also new levels, same devils and diff- with different faces. That I've experienced. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you seem, you think it's a new devil, but you're like, oh wait, I know this feeling. Yeah. I know this. I know you. You know, I used to <laughs> I I yeah, we've been together before. And I um I was born in the dark. <laughs> Hello, Batman. <laughs> oh. That was a really bad bane. Yours, not mine. Mine yeah. was awesome. 
Batman. I, I, I don't have that one. What are you, the Lego Batman right Yeah, now? I don't have Lego it. Lego Bane? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Batman! I feel like <clears throat> the deepest certainty and calm that I've earned over the years has come from the deep work in looking at the dark. And I love, uh, Elon Musk talks about the dark. Someone asked him one time, he's like, are you afraid of the dark? He's like, the dark's just a lack of photons in the air. No, I'm not afraid of the dark. That's a beautiful answer. He's like so scientific about it. And I've used that where people will be like around, whether I'm in the pit black forest where I'm in play, or I'm in like the, the depths of the, of a, of a dark like alley or I've just been in like in situations where guys are like, Oh wow. Okay. It's really dark. I'm like, guys, it's just a lack of photons, dude. Like chill the fuck out. Yeah. And then there's the darkness of the soul, which is the, where the real work happens. And let's talk about that because I've had this feeling for a long time that, well, how do I say this? I'm curious to hear your opinion about this. There is an argument to be made that evil doesn't exist. And what evil actually is, is undeveloped righteousness. It's a fumbling where you're giving in to base instincts mm. and base feelings and you're doing mm. things selfishly. Yeah. And there's a spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So does evil actually exist or is it just an undeveloped righteousness where it's just immature? I asked a mentor this like eight years ago um, and I loved his answer because I was really searching for this question and I've, I've walked out this answer he gave me ever since. And I'm like, yeah, I really stand behind that. And I was like, what is evil? And he's like, evil is confusion. Hmm. That which is evil is just confused. It's the come from. Because I've going and being a psychonaut, uh, to be honest, I love psychedelics. Yeah. And I've gone through seasons of zero for years where I, I integrate and then I go into like, let me do some journeys. And it's always a ceremonial, beautiful ritual and, and of intention to, to meet and be with God and to encounter the truth and, and only light. And, and in some of those, I've experienced darkness and the darkness doesn't feel very um, clear. And yeah, there's some like, if you look at how it walks it out, itself out in this reality, there's a lot of high level white collar evil out there of intentional tyranny and destruction but in terms of its base form it feels very confused and very confusing and um it's like that which comes from i love what christ says you know be healed for the renewing of your mind it's like the renewal of the mind and of the heart and of the soul once those things are renewed and made back into integrity and alignment then that which was previously like a, a broken addicted man comes out and the pathways are re-neuralized and yeah. his heart is rewired and he just has a different way and it's clear, clearer, right? So I look at clear versus confusion as the distinction. And I'm not saying that's the way, but that was a way that I... Well, that's at least a, uh, that's a tangible metric. It's something to, oh, that's confusion. It might be really well-developed, but at the core of that is need and greed and, and, and worthlessness. Yeah. And therefore it's acting out in this way. And, but at, at the core of wholeness and at the core of, of, of deep richness of, of light is it will walk itself out in a way that is developmental and it cultivates. And, and, and so I'm always looking at the root. What's the root of the fruit here? 
And sometimes the root, if it's um, dark, I'm like, ah, it's just confused, man. I really appreciate you bringing that up as a, because that, I'm adding that to my definition. I still believe that it's undeveloped righteousness, but, it, but that undeveloped is confused. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a seeking of a certain need in a way that won't provide the meeting of the need. Yeah. And you used, you know, basically the seven deadly sins, you know, gluttony and greed and jealousy and all those things are confused. They're lower vibrating emotions that lead to confusion yeah. and, and isolation. Which one do you deal with the most? Which one's your, your vice? Mine's lust. Like, I'm not a very greedy guy. I w could probably make a lot more money and do a lot more cool shit and get a lot more women and, and all the lot more, but I, I'm like, I don't really feel that greedy. I love to give. Sure. I'll give before I take always. Um, I don't eat like crazy, uh, but I, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot. The reason I ask is because I'll go into the sea. I'm, so, I'm kind of an extreme dude when it comes to women and um, I'm respectful and loving, but I've also had my appetites gone from just total celibacy of, no, man, I'm going to take a break. It's just me and God for about 16, 18 months. And then I'll go back into like, let me go have a threesome or a foursome or go to a sex club or, or like, and so that's been my, my vice has been struggling with, lust, yeah. with lust. And, and every time my lust is peaked, there's two conversations happening for me. One is it's okay, dude, just enjoy your, your life, bro. You are, a, you are a, an animal. And in like these, these primal instincts are not bad. And there's been times where I've, I've, that's been okay. And I become the fuck boy or I become the guy that just wants a piece of ass. And I'm, and I'm not judging those guys who live that out as a lifestyle, but I'm always in the back of my mind, like, yeah, but bro, you are operating from a lack of wholeness scarcity, yeah. and operating from scarcity. What's like, what's really going on for you? And so I come back and I, I cleanse myself a little bit of, of those, like those patterns, you know? So that's mine. I'm curious what mm. yours would be. Well, I want to honor this question. And so Conan, can you look up what the seven deadly sins are and tell us? Because I want, I want to make sure that I'm not forgetting one. That yeah, might actually envy be one. is one of those, yeah. which is pervasive in our culture. Oh, social it's, media is a magnifier. It's a magnifier of envy. Yeah. <clears throat> Greed, lust, okay, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, uh, anger okay. is one of them as well. <sighs> I feel like we should know these. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what do we got? Oh, that didn't give me the answer I was looking for. In a world where <laughs> three men in a room have forgotten the seven deadly sins. Well, it's because we're all we're all like lust. That's <laughs> exactly. It yeah. It's like, dude, we are alpha men am, who have a lot of creative I am energy. Gluttonously envy and angry for lust. That's what. Yeah, is that what it is? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I get the lust thing though, man. Like that's uh, okay. So here we go. So vainglory. Okay. okay. Or pride. Vanity, pride. Okay. Yeah. Greed, lust, envy, gluttony. Wrath, wrath, anger, or sloth. Yeah. Sloth. Oh, the sloth. Yeah. I think I got a touch of all of them. I mean, we all do. We all do, of course. Yeah. I think that uh, lust is an interesting one for me, too. Not because I have a, a history of living out lust. Yeah. But I've noticed that, you know, I grew up a, a religious person. I married my first wife as a virgin. Wow. 
and I've had very limited Respect. sexual experiences in my life. Yeah. The older that I get, the more curious I am. Yeah. And just to be real, it's kind of a problem. Yeah. Like it's something where it's like, I don't know how to handle the, I mean, I do know how to handle and I'm handling the curiosity, but it's more just like, like what, what else is there as mm -hmm. far as like experiences? And, and, and it's not, you know, in respect to my wife, it's not like she's not amazing or beautiful and that we don't have a, you know, a good thing there. It's just more like the, I think the nature of man and, and how we desire to procreate and yep. connect and all that. Well, we're here in America. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. It doesn't mean we don't wonder about how beautiful Switzerland is. Sure. Right? Right. Sloth, I think. I'm not, no, it's, yeah, I'm not lazy, but I am lazy. I've been able to kind of frame my laziness to be something that has helped me. In yeah, like I'm, it's more resting than laziness. Well, it's I I I hire around it. <laughs> it's like I mean, yeah, that's just being a good businessman. Yeah, like if I'm if I suck at something, I'm like I I don't need to yeah. judge myself for the failure of this anymore. I'm gonna get somebody else to help. Or me. spend a year learning how to do it. Yeah. You know, just because. Well, that's one thing that I've learned that is in relation to all seven of these is that you can overcome them with time or you can overcome them with money like you can pay to have somebody come in and train you help yeah. you heal guide you or you can fumble along on your own and have it take way longer but it's not as expensive with your money it's just way more expensive with time Man, you know every year money the, the reverence for money becomes increasingly more <coughs> excuse me increasingly more um like i'm more careful and precious it's it's more precious but not because i'm it's my treasure but the relationship to being a good steward in life yeah grows where we are i mean the core belief that i have is that the highest version of who we can be as men are kings um but we're also priests and warriors and lovers and magicians and these other things too but the the king identity is all about stewardship the lover identity is all about, you know, pouring in and ravishing and loving and just giving. Whereas the priest is all about healing. The priest, the warrior is all about um, protection and war. Like we, these identities have these different postures. Sure. And the king identity is really important to me because it's all about stewardship. And we have these resources as men. We grow and we, we have resources of capital, we have resources of relationship, we have resource, health resources, we have energy resources, and we take care of ourselves. And skill sets as well. Skill resources, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, and, and stewardship is like, you either, the quality of your life comes down to the quality of how good of a steward you are. And that's been my lesson, at least. Uh, I'm still walking that out, but the money stewardship thing, I'm a quick start. Let's go make a bunch of money and invest and give away. And only recently, after making millions of dollars, have I been like, I think it's important to manage this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if I'm truthfully, if I'm totally honest. Oh my gosh, dude, I love that. Yeah, I, I, I'll share this with you. Last month, I had, a, I had a phenomenal year in my business in 2022. Mm -hmm. And I realized towards the end of the year in that fourth quarter, I was sabotaging myself in my business because I, I recognized that it was going to be a shit show trying to organize taxes and all the other accounting and bookkeeping. Yeah. I've got employees. I didn't have a bookkeeper. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was doing this all on my own, which means I wasn't doing it. Yeah. And so I hired a bookkeeper in December, 
And we're neck deep right now in the discovery of like trying to analyze the last several years and making yep. sure that I'm not going to get super hosed on taxes and everything. Yep. And it's, it's from a place of behind. Yeah. And, but the lesson to me was that <laughs> I brought that upon myself by just kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. Ah, we can do this later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And every other successful, like truly successful business that I admire, they don't have that issue. No. They keep their ducks in a row. Well, I think a lot of them have experienced this pain. Yeah. And they're like, man, never again. And I had... Well, a, there's a safety. Like, even though I haven't even gotten to a finish line when it comes to this stuff, there's a safety that I'm starting to feel. It's like, it's handled. It's, it's yeah. being handled. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't... I have, I have a healthy amount of fear of the U.S. government and mm-hmm. the teeth that they can have when you don't handle your money properly. Oh, yeah. So I, I have zero interest in, in being somebody that experiences that on a deeper level. So Yeah, I have experienced that. Like audits and things? <coughs> Gosh, excuse me. <coughs> I want to edit that out. Nah. No, I've never been audited, <laughs> but I, in 2018 and 19, I transitioned out of being a CMO, and I went and I put a lot of all my tax money into building software. And I had, I don't know, a $50,000 tax bill. And instead of doing that, I put $100,000 into a piece of software that I thought was going to take off because I was such a hot shot. And I was like, no, I can sell anything, man. And I ran out of money. I didn't scale it up. And I, was, I sat with a tax debt. And I was so broken in my confidence that it turned into a lean. And I was so embarrassed because I was like, oh my gosh, dude. I'm a guy that has created so much value in the marketplace and I'm so broken in my confidence right now that I'm like, how did I, how did I get here? And a lot of it came from kicking stuff down the can. And I spent 2020 and 2021, you know, rebuilding a million dollar business, paying off debts. Um, and, and even to this day, even though I've paid off so much tax debt and paid off those things, there's still a sense of like, when, when am I going to learn? You know, when you have a $400,000 tax bill, that was my tax bill for, 2022, no, 2021. And, um, and I had it re-audited because there was a, a, an error. And I was like, holy shit, dude, how did this happen? Because there's, I don't, I was like, because I didn't have the money. Do you have, is your residence in California or do yeah. you keep residence here? Yeah, California residence. Well, that's probably half the yeah. problem right there. Yeah, and the guy that I was working with wasn't really that creative. But the point was like, I, that was a lesson of, whole, I should have anticipated and prepared and had that set up rather than let me go make a few million dollars this year. And yeah, okay, yeah, you know, tax bill is going to be whatever. I'm in California. Let me go rent out a $15,000 a month resort style house in Orange County. Let me go, you know, just do the thing. Like I kind of lived out this whole achievement thing lifestyle that I was talking at because I, I had to live it out to realize, wow, this is actually kind of a trap. I mean, and investors will say, hey, dude, when you're, when you're building your value, your enterprise value or your, or your wealth, you know, keep your lifestyle comfortable and do not grow your lifestyle with your wealth for a very long time. And I just was surrounded by people who didn't do that. And I learned the hard way, the painful way of like, dude, I'm such a creator of value, but what the fuck? Right. I can't even like pay this? What is going on? How, what? I fucked up, you know? And now, yes, there's tax strategies and I've, I hire tax attorneys and I'm like, hey man, 
can we, will you do another audit of this? Like, is this how much it's going to be? But regardless of what the amount was, it was a lesson on lagging indicators rather than leading out and be like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to roll. And it was really painful. It really, I really had to rebuild my confidence as like a man walking. Cause for a year or two, I walked around with this like secret guilt. I was like, fuck man. I totally understand what you're talking about. Like I, I really get that. That's a part of, as I shared in the last couple of weeks, the imposter syndrome stuff. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at this going, how in the fuck did I mismanage yeah. these opportunities in such yeah. a way that put me in this predicament? It happens a lot, dude. And we don't talk about it because it's like, gross, just talk about gross. I had a six-figure month. Cool, yeah, dude. Exactly. What's going to happen when you don't? Dude. And then you got that tax shit still and you... You don't know where your money went. You got to go scour every credit card statement and bank statement and figure out, oh, well, this goes... Like, that's just a nightmare. Yeah. It's easy to spend money. <laughs> Very true. And it's <laughs> And fun. that was my thing, it's man. It's easy and fun. Yeah. I love and spending money. I would be... I'd probably be 10 times more successful if I hadn't spent. Be- not because of the savings, but because of the personal certainty. Be- yes. Does that make sense? 100%. Because I just would have been in flow and grounded as a man. Yeah. And I've noticed that if when I'm not grounded in integrity, joy, and I'm a big fucking, I got a big swinging dick, right. but from a service place and I'm having this needy, like I'm a hungry ghost. Oh my gosh, I've got, you know, okay, we made 300,000, but I've got a $250,000 like monthly thing I've got to feed because of people and this, and I'm not saving it. It became like a, um, uh, a neediness. And I, f- I started to understand how someone could have an eight-figure business with a 20% um, profit margin. And if they're not managing correctly, they can be bankrupt the next year. Broke, yeah. And I was like, dang, dude, this, if I get, if I, maybe, maybe I do have an issue with greed and lust because if I hadn't, I'd probably have not experienced that guilt. And I look back on that. I mean, I'm glad I learned these lessons now because I'd rather have these lessons at three or five million than 30 or 50 million when you go to jail for not paying a $5 million tax bill. If you got a $200,000 tax bill, they're like, all right, dude, make some payments, man. Like, just don't do it again. But if you got a $5 million tax bill, you know, that's a different conversation. So I had to really be like- snipes your ass is what they do. For real, you know? And it's a real conversation. You know, it's, it's, that's the, the part in business that they don't teach you. Like, oh, cool. He learned how to go make the money. But like, how are you doing with growing wealth? You know? Well, and there's a burnout that happens too. Like I know for myself, it's crazy. I had to, I, I'm, I'm stopping this from happening again. And I recognize that's a part of the emotions that I've shared over the last month and hiring the bookkeeper and, yeah. and looking at my <clears throat> business differently and trying to figure out ways to have other, you know, value adds that are, that could produce revenue. You know, in 2008, I got into post-foreclosed REOs, you know, mm. real estate owned. We, I had a partner. We had a company called Landmark Insiders, and we did a ton of business over the course of those four years from mm-hmm. 2008 to 2012. And uh, neither my partner nor I uh, knew what we were doing to handle that level of money. Because, mm. I mean, we closed pretty close. It was eh, high 7,000s in residential properties that we had flipped, buying them 150, 200 properties at a time from these servicers and then flipping them to investors and this whole other thing. And there was so much mismanagement of everything that had to do with anything, even so much that our business model, when we would close a deal, there was costs associated 
with that deal that we were going to have to pay out of pocket into the future that we couldn't calculate. We had, we had mismanaged everything about it. And then I ended up losing it all. Like it was in 2000, mm. uh, I ended up declaring bankruptcy in 2012 after having years of making millions of dollars a year. Mm. And I looked at that and I realized, I look back now, I had a period of several years where I just didn't subconsciously want money. Mm, yep. I was in that, you know, more money, more problems, little, you know, Biggie Smalls thing. Oh, yeah. And it, I was miserable. Yep. I was out of shape. I was trying to, you know, coach and do all this shit from a needy place and needy yep. energy. And it actually was my podcast business and my, you know, my chops and that that kind of helped me to get out of it where I was like, okay, so I, because I was in the world before of like pops. It's like, I'm going to close this deal. I get a couple hundred grand here, pop, get another couple hundred grand, pop. And then I would live this high extravagant lifestyle with mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff that could very well be done if I don't get another pop. I exactly. was unemployed until yeah. my next deal closed. Yeah, yeah. And then I get into this business and I'm like, okay, so I want to, I still want to have the opportunities for those with my, you know, single consulting. We're going to start this. Here's the cost. It's a, you know, a larger amount, but building a recurring model where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, we produce close to 50 episodes a week for different podcasters. And so there's like the, every, I Love get it. my Stripe notifications every time a monthly swipes. And it's awesome. like this reminder of that. That's a real business. People say yeah. you don't have a real business to so have a recurring model in play somewhere. I mean, you yeah. can have a value ladder that has big money here and there, yeah. but you're right on point. And it's, it's funny you say about the pop thing because, bro, those pops can be addictive, man. Oh, they can. And we get... Deal uh, hunting for the yeah. next pop. It's well, like dude, an orgasm. My, my post-real uh, estate career was in commodities. I actually had a, you know, a big book of investors and former clients. And fortunately, most of them had positive opinions of us. Yeah. And we had done well for them and they'd gotten... There was a couple people <clears> that lost <throat> money and it was an ugly situation. And, you know, it's investments, man. Sometimes shit doesn't work. Um, but I, I was going for the bigger pop. I met this guy that was out of the East Coast, in North Carolina, and he had all these relationships in Southeast Asia, but he didn't have any relationships in South America. And as a former Mormon that served a mission in Brazil, mm -hmm. I still speak Portuguese and mm -hmm. you know, communicate effectively, even in a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. And Spanish was always right there because of my Portuguese. Right. And we partnered up, and I started traveling to South America all the time trying to put together these massive commodity deals Wow, for the pop. Yeah. And, dude, my poor family dealing with this shit. Because yeah. I'm piecing together. I'd get a $25,000 deposit here, and then I'd get a $100,000 deposit here and things. And we were trying to close these deals. Meanwhile, I'm living in this $2 million house in Mill Creek right on the river, yeah. living this total extravagant lifestyle not having any financial chops to be able to hold it if I needed to. Yeah, exactly. Became house poor very yep. quickly. Yep. I remember there's every <laughs> every year on June 6th, there's this picture that pops up in Facebook that reminds me of this fuckery. Okay? Wow, wow. So we had put together this deal with this group that had a, a, a headquarters out of Chicago, and then they had a bunch of uh, uh, satellite offices in Southeast Asia, China and you know, Vietnam and all these different port cities. And we hooked them up with this. We were selling soybeans. We had hooked them up with a three. It was a $305 million contract. My payout on that was going to be about $8 bucks. The picture is me in a suit in Buenos Aires, Argentina, with these two Argentinian brothers who were the owners and family members of the co-op that were providing the beans, and this, this Chinese guy that was there, and they were signing the contract. And I was supposed to get that pop within 30 days. I was supposed to have $7 bucks come to me in 30 days. Wow. 
I leave that place. I'm high on the hog. We're shopping for Rolls Royces. We're going to the BMW dealer. We're going to pay off the house. We're going to, like, it's going to be this thing, you know? Wow. It never comes to be. Wow. Why? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a. Is it one of those long, it just unravels? No, I got fucked is what happened. Like, gotcha. So we were the. <laughs> I just got fucked. <laughs> yeah. Royally. Exactly. Well, it's kind of an interesting story. So you story. were a broker. I was a broker. And yeah. they just pushed the broker out. Yeah. But oh, here's, man. here's the funny thing is that Bummer. like, so <laughs> the guy who was responsible for me getting pushed out. Yeah. He ended up going to jail for like four years because his ex-wife accused him of, you know, some stuff with their kid that was gross and he didn't wow. have a proof of that. And it was, it was in Argentina, which is even worse when it comes to believing women. No over kidding. Here. And, uh, he was kind of a fucker. So no way. the idea that he had some karma coming to him didn't sad me that much. Yeah. But we got wow. this call. This was interesting. My, my partner on that business, we got this call about two years later and it was from an attorney out of Miami. He's like, Hey, we, uh, you're being a part of this lawsuit. There's a, there's a lawsuit between this company out of Chicago and the Argentinian group. And we're having to do it in this international way, whatever, because you were a part of this. There was a breach of contract. They only shipped six boats. They were supposed to ship 12. And we're like, huh? So they shipped, huh? Yeah. We didn't even know. They told us that it fell apart. We, we had no idea that we got fucked until two years later when this no attorney kidding. tells us that this is happening. Wow. But you bring up the, the beauty, the, whether, whether you believe in karma or you just believe in the blessing, or you just believe in whatever the belief is. He created it for himself. When you do wrong by enough people, like you know, yeah. that you got to come in. Exactly, and that's that. That kind of when coming back to the grounded feeling, I would, I will take being rooted and grounded in love, joy, richness, and generosity. Yeah. If I, if it means making ten times less money for the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. I'm a capitalist and I believe that I will make 10 times more money sure. because of that posture of yeah. coming from a place of groundedness and rootedness. But man, the peace of mind that comes, yeah. that, that you destroy in the name of a little more, is, um, it's just not worth it. Well, you know? I, I, fully, I fully attribute the turmoil that I went through emotionally in my marriage, financially in my body. It was shortly after that whole scenario happened. Six months, actually. That happened in the summertime. I was diagnosed with testicular cancer and lymphoma in November of that same year. Wow. So there was some And you shit. attribute that? 100%. Yeah. You know, disease, dis-ease, your body's not at ease. Yeah. I was trying so desperately to hold on to this life that I was thinking in some way gave me value. Yeah. I had to be a rich guy so that people would think I'm a good guy. So that people will know. Yeah. And it's so people would the, appreciate so what that. I am. So yeah. that, yeah. So that. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And it has yeah. played a huge role in well, a couple of things. There's a lot of inner work that I've had to overcome in my relationship with money to be able to even get to the point where I'm at now yeah. based off of that sort of mantra of like, dude, when you get money, you get more problems. Yep. That was a reality for me yeah. for a long time. And money now it's not. equals danger. Right. There's a lot of subconscious belief. Right. And you have these conflicting beliefs too because also money equals ease. Yeah. And it equals access. But it comes with this danger piece, and it's like it doesn't have to come with danger. Like you can manage that differently. Yeah, and that's where it's like you know, um, I've had to relearn that. And there's a you know that funny so saying that says the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Yeah, I know that devil now. Yeah, it's like yeah. No, I'm not going to let that guy come out and play anymore. Yeah, and I haven't known that devil until the last couple of years. Until yeah. the posture in the relationship with seeing money is is um, as a, a lack, or I mean, even just simply, even when you're growing being so obsessed with what the bank account balance is and nothing else like based, you know, how many men 
whether they're absolutely wealthy or, or just working a normal job, the quality of their day is based on the bank balance that they see. Yeah. And it took me many, a long time to finally get over that because that's a lagging indicator of value created. What's a leading indicator of value created? It's what's the work and the service you're providing in the, in the world. If you just are looking at that, you're literally looking at the past value you created. Yeah. If you're looking at forward on who you're serving and what you're doing, that's the, a leading indicator. Oh yeah, you, know, that, you got some cool things going on. Yeah. And it's just these little things, man. Like I thought I would grow out of making millions of dollars, whether for it's for other people or personally through my merchant accounts or my bank accounts, having that come and seeing that and being stewarded of it. I'm like, same patterns, bro. Same new levels, same devil. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck, dude? Get, come on, man. And it took uh, returning to, to, to worth, a sense of worth and wholeness and, and not being duped, man. Not being duped with the narrative. Well, you, you, you touched on it. It's, it's, it all stems from a sense of worth and wholeness. Yeah. Like if, if, an, if a man or an individual doesn't have a sense of worth or wholeness, they will fill it in yeah. with something else. That void will be filled up somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it's wholesome or detrimental is to be seen. But yeah, man, I, I'm really great. In, in retrospect, I'm grateful for that. I don't like looking at those experiences with what they call a secondary gain. Like I've learned this through upgrade and some of the training I've done mentally with that. It's like whenever we fail and then we decide to extract value from the failure and then we value the, we, the value that we extract justifies the behavior of failure. It creates more failure because mm. our MO at that point is that, well, I'm going to get this great lesson by failing. Exactly. It's like, well, fuck that. I don't want to fail. Yeah. So, I've had to shift that up to where it's like, I, I, I look at that. It, the failures were what they were. Yeah. I did take experiences from there that have shown me something, but they are separate. Those experiences could have been there whether or not I was succeeding or failing. Yeah. It just happened to be illuminated differently because of a certain level of lack I was experiencing. And there's maybe some other ways that those lessons could have been learned. 100%. And I... I being in the personal development world for so many years, I mean, I started going at 16, yeah. 33, you know, that's a long time. That's 17 years in case you 17 were. years. I was homeschooled, bro. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I was thinking about this actually recently. I was like, there's an addiction to the secondary gain. Yeah. Where it's like, it becomes an excuse, like, oh, it's cool, I'll fail because I'll learn a deep lesson on this and I'll or we have try this to, moment. Yeah, we try to, like, minimize that it's going to suck to fail. And, and you know, I've really... Getting out of, uh, of the need to always look at the deeper lesson and to just be like, no, man, why don't we just look at the facts? Yeah. Like, didn't work, try it again. But, like, stop with the train of the guilt train or the, oh my gosh, oh Everything my gosh. Everything doesn't have to have a reason. It does't have to be so profound. It's right. just like some of the coolest people I know are the simplest thinkers. And some of the most, some of the most tortured people I know are the deepest thinkers because yeah. the deepest, the deeper thinking turns into rumination. And I've had to, because I'm a deep thinker and, and I, I'm, I'm prone to guilt and shame and, darkness and depression, just like I'm prone to joy and delight and charisma and dancing and being totally colorful. You know, it's just, it's a lot. I'm not really 
a depressed person, but I've experienced depression sure. plenty of times. Sure. And these days I've had to really just kind of suspend myself from the need to be such a deep thinker because especially after years of like encountering the eighth dimension on DMT or, or having these moments with God where I'm constantly in awe of the way that this reality is put together, um, it's not always useful to focus always on the unseen. It's really useful to make things practical here. You know, bring that thing, bring those things into this reality, establish, you know, cultivate this garden yeah. that we're in, not try to escape off into these other places, you know? My, my comedy mind is going crazy right now because it's like <laughs> there's a bit somewhere when you talk about... <laughs> You know, the secondary gain and like having to have this difficult experience have some value that you weave into some story that's totally. part of your development. It's like, why don't we do that for like a difficult shit? I'm on my sixth divorce right now. Dude, I took <laughs> you know? the largest dump, man. It actually ripped me a little. And I yeah. felt that in that failure, yeah. what lesson I learned <laughs> yeah. was in life. If you push too hard, yeah, yeah, you're never going to get where you want to go. <sighs> Just you got to relax flow. and let it ease out. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. That's exactly that's, it. That's the level of shit that we deal with. Like we take these experiences that fucking suck. And then we craft them into some sort of whimsical tale of learning and, and development. There's a it's gross. Have you ever been through Landmark Education? Not no, but I I've, I've been through. Um, so Peak Potentials um, is Harvecker's company, and he was the guy that wrote Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. He yeah. had similar things that were like Landmark, so yeah. I understand kind of what you guys had done in that. But I've never been through Landmark itself. They have a come from um, called the. They talk about the payoff. Okay, and it's this exact thing. They're okay. like, okay, so your relationship with your wife or husband has been a problem for five years. Okay, interesting. There's this and this, and they get all this information, and they ask you the single question, which is, so what's the payoff? What is the payoff? They're like, what do you mean, what's the payoff? Like, well, obviously, if it wasn't giving you something, it would have ended a long time ago, or you would have shifted it. Like, there's a payoff somewhere okay. in all this where you're actually receiving some sort of, in their words, payoff right. to keep it going. And, the, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, the payoff, like for me, um, I was angry at my father for many years and my mother because they just didn't equip me to be an adult. So I spent my 20s tripping over myself, trying to learn how to be responsible. And I blamed my parents for that. Right. And, and so I was, the payoff in um, blaming my parents and having a disconnected relationship with them was in not having responsibility for myself and my life. So I was suspending responsibility and accountability blaming it on and blaming them. it on them. So they're like, man, my dad, like, I just don't like my dad and my mom. Oh my gosh, like she's an angel, but dude. So I operated from this place of blame for many years and they're like, well, what's the payoff? And I learned that it was actually how I transferred irresponsibility. So if I was irresponsible for anything, it was their fault. That is a great question to ask. Yeah, it. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking. Well, what I'm thinking of specific behaviors in my life that had been, even some of them that still persist that don't serve. I'm like, well, what is the payoff? The payoff of not of me not making enough money is that it activates the warrior inside of me. If I'm, you know, I haven't learned yet truly how to have I don't know a million in the bank and still have that activated sort of like. Yeah. Okay, I'm building. Yeah. You know, it, it has to go down below a certain standard for me to be like, oh my gosh, fuck. Like, yeah. and that's the payoff of not Produces having enough. Need. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's worth analyzing, man. Yeah, that is. What's the payoff of us being on this podcast? 
together. Eyed. It'll it'll come to us. It's eyes beautiful. locked. This has been a fantastic show, dude. Yeah, great one. What a great time. Let's uh let's wrap it up with some current events. You want to talk some shit? Let's talk some shit. Okay, so producer Con over here is going to tell us some things that are happening in the real world. Okay. And then we're going to make fun of him. Oh, great. <clears throat> no holds barred. Hello, producer Con. <laughs> How you doing? What's up, bro? He's my uh, he's my Jamie. He's the best. You know what I mean. <laughs> I just have to say I'd, I've really appreciated this this conversation you guys had, and I mm. I'm lucky to be a part of it. And um, that's right, baby. Get money, fuck bitches. That's what we say. <laughs> that's our ethos and culture and lifestyle. <laughs> I would say that's a good name, but I don't know if that's going to be good for the SEO. Probably not. Yeah, might be. Get for money, some... fuck bitches with Jeremy Finlay. <laughs> Jeremy T. Is it T. Finlay? T. Finlay. Yeah. Okay. okay. There we go. You and the warrior guys always got to have your initials popping. You know? It comes from our Mormon background. I get it because I am. D. Bryce Prescott. Exactly, dude. My it's gosh. so proud. <laughs> like, it's so stupid, too. It's really stupid. Yeah. But that's for another day. It Let's is. make fun of our, okay. not ourselves anymore. Let's do it. What do we got here, buddy? Well, you, you covered a couple of mine, but I, I got a pretty good one. And okay. then I, selfishly, I have a couple questions. Okay. Just having yes. you in the, in the yes. studio. So. We're on a panel now. I like it. <laughs> cool. Let's do this. Um, so TEDx. Yes. South Jordan style. <laughs> JEDx. <laughs> JEDx. There it is. <laughs> the first... Uh, the um, the news article I have is that scientists recently took um, woolly mammoth DNA and impregnated an elephant, and so they're growing a woolly mammoth out of that. I kind of get this Jurassic Park vibe where they're taking DNA from the past. I'm reminded of what a great career Rosie O'Donnell has had when I think of that. <laughs> so what are your what? thoughts on that? <laughs> woolly mammoth and a fucking... <laughs> Who was the what's the other animal? An, an elephant. 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 Well, so that's Rosie O'Donnell, bro. That's wow. Just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I I sit here, and I'm reminded of the monkey in us, bro. Yeah, We're just fucking monkeys, man, trying to recreate the cave stone ages so that we can just get money and fuck bitches. That would be a crazy <laughs> animal, though—a woolly mammoth with a. Would it though? Like it's kind of the same thing. It's like. It's like one of those sphinx it's a hairy, cats that it's are a hairless. Ha- it's a hairy elephant. It's a hairless. An elephant is a hairless woolly mammoth. Oh, exactly. When you look at like sphinx cats that are the hairless cat, that's what it is. We're looking at the two. Elephants are already hairless woolly mammoths. Right. So this is just a, a hairy elephant. There it is. There it is. That's going to be a new slang. Okay, well, you hold mo- on. Though. You, hairy fu- you hairy elephant. You damn long trunk hairy elephant. Yeah, I'm <laughs> reaching here. I'm not, I'm not that... <laughs> I don't have chops like you do. Dude, give it time. It'll, 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 okay, we'll, right, cool. we'll settle into a group think here, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be loaning you some of Please. this <laughs> I want to know what scientist was like, you know what we need to do? Mm. <laughs> Guys, hold on. Yeah. Number one priority with our new funding. Fucking elephant, bro. Does this say why they did that? No. I, they just wanted to create it. Yeah. I, whenever I hear stories, like I'm like, why? Who are these folks? They're like, you know what we need to do? Like Wuhan in China and shit. Like, oh, we're going why there. do we need? No, we're not going to stay there. But I'm going to say, like, okay. why do we need gain of function research? What sort of Dr. Evil motherfucker yeah, is yeah, sitting yeah. there going, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure this thing can kill everything. And they need to make sure that they word it in such a way where you have no idea what it means. Yeah. Gain we, of function. We're just doing some gain of function research. Oh, really? Oh, so you're creating mass weapons oh, you're of biochemical destruction? viruses? That's cool. That's <laughs> exactly. what it is. Hello. It's like, hello there. My name is Scientist X. We would like to perform gain-of-function research 
Would you like? You're like, yeah, of course I would. That sounds uh, great. Science X, could you please uh, describe what gain of function? Well, see, here's the point. Right. The virus itself right. has a function. Yeah. And we would like that function to have gain. Yes. Yeah. Increase in its capacity. Yes. Oh, you're trying to kill everyone. Exactly. Oh, Think, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> have you ever seen a, 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 a guitar amp with the volume down? See, what we want to do is gain up that motherfucker so that it reaches all people. Right. And when we get to the right level, we'll have reverb functions. Yes. Discoveries. Echoes the gain of function. function. Right. Echoes of function. Yes. 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 You see, that, that is nice because we're trying to have a, a rock concert of virus. Right. Yes. We virality. Want, we want the Lollapalooza of viruses here. Yeah. The Coachella of right. viruses. Right. It's going to be fantastic. Deuces, right. right. You know, like horns to heaven. The Kanye virus is performing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That old virus, the Meatles will be approving in hologram form. The Meatles? <laughs> the measles will be in hologram form. Oh. <laughs> AIDS is our headliner. AIDS is headlining, dude. Fucking what a banger virus. You know what I mean? It yeah. shows up all the time. Have you seen White Lotus? No, but I've heard about it. It's actually oh on HBO, gosh. right? Yeah. I won't talk about it. Okay. You got to watch it. Is it good? Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. I just watched it. <laughs> Is it bonkers, bro? It's entertaining. It's very, it's sharp satire on a social setting. So oh, it's perfect. a complete mirror of, of uh, just like various levels of privilege across okay. the world. And it's so good. Okay. Yeah. I know it's got phenomenal actors in it. So. It does. Yeah. I've yeah. got a crush on one of them. Dude, what else What's we got? What's his name? Yeah, exactly. What else you got, buddy? Well, I have one more thing that okay. um, it's kind of been brewing in the news. And I feel like, the government is kind of easing us into this whole thing about aliens okay. oh. and UFO sightings. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm on uh, TikTok a lot and I see a lot of like UFO sighting videos happening yeah. more and more. Do you feel like there's actually aliens out there or are these created by the government and this mm. is just kind of their way of like easing it out? The question of questions. I, uh, I fully think, I, I mean, we, we just talked about foundation. I fully believe aliens are out there. There's no way we're the only planet that's got livable, breathable, sentient, conscious beings on it. Yeah. I like Joe Rogan's uh, uh, viewpoint on this. I adopted it as my own. He says, we're so fucking stupid that aliens don't want to come. They're like, we don't want to deal with these retards. Like, look what they're doing. They can't even get along. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible, and it's like they're looking. It's like the aliens are out there looking at us like we're <clears> an <throat> ant farm. Like, look at what these guys are doing. <laughs> I, I have thought deeply about this okay, question. Let's hear it. I really had to ask myself, and I'm a believer in God. I be, I'm a believer in intelligent design. Sure. I don't believe in the accidental it's beauty. All math, baby. It's like imagine walking into. It's imagine just like the the, the watch you're wearing on your wrist. Okay, that got there because it just exploded out of that couch. Yeah, it never happened. Right? It's it like, by come design, on. By design. Deliberate. Intelligent, beautiful course. design. So knowing that I come from, I was like, you know what? When I look at reality, I look at the beautiful integrity of this place, the integrity of the universe. Like this table is a table whether you and I are evil or good. And so when I think about aliens, I'm like, I had to take a step back and first of all, I'd be like, do I believe these aliens are evil and all these things, I'm like, regardless, these aliens still have to rely on the integrity of this reality. Whatever technology that these aliens could be using still relies on the integrity of this reality for it to work. Sure. And the integrity of this reality is, is rooted to me in the love of order. And love of order only comes from light, and light is good. And so I'm like, man, aliens, 
Yeah. You know, Naval, who's someone I, I've brought up before, he, he talks extensively about the, the possibility of it and how, you know, radio waves and light waves would get here a lot sooner than um, uh, they would. And some people say we're just so far away that it's, it's possible that these aliens don't have the ability to travel faster than the speed of light because some of the most inhabitable spots are still at a speed of light, it's still a million light years away. Right. And so there's like, logistically, they're probably out there, but getting here is not the easiest thing. And if they were to get here, would it be worth it? They'd probably be here for knowledge and technology over our resources because if they could go anywhere, they'd probably go to places that have that are much more rich in a specific resource. And so there's these tech, these scientists I've been like listening to about aliens where they're like, they're less cinematic and about it. They're more pragmatic. Yeah. And so to answer your question, bro, I believe that from a place of love, aliens exist. I don't believe that it's in the form of what we've seen. And I also believe that it's, it's from a good place and they're probably people like us. Yeah. You know, I think that it's a lot of us and it could be the government who has made contact. Um, but I, I'm, I, I'm not afraid of it. You know, I, it's, I'm a kind of a conspiracy theorist where I believe in intentional control and tyranny. Um, and so, but I'm not at the same time a, uh, a believer that this whole thing's some evil simulation or like we're just controlled by reptilian lizards. If that was the case, um, then we would, this world would not be as beautiful as it is. In my, that's my opinion. Sounds like something that somebody would say that's a reptile himself. So I'll take that with a grain of salt, here. Hollywood boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, if I'm a reptile, I don't know. And if I am, and if I find out one day, I'm like, wow, now that is a twist. That's a twist. Well, I, I, I think I, I agree. What's with, your thoughts? I absolutely believe when I hear the word alien, I just think of other. Yeah. Other. And there's a hundred percent. There's other out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, whether or not we have come in contact with them and don't know, which we're being told we have, you know, it was released during the pandemic that, you know, there's been contact and yeah, I'm more curious, like, well, what is it? Like, cause the, the, the answer would seem to be an enlightening one, but I think yeah. that there is also a mode of control. The government is trying to you know keep us from freaking out. Yeah. And well, because power is, is the priority and that would dismantle some of the, faith in that oh dude like imagine the effect that actual proof of other beings in other galaxies and planets would do to just our stories of religion here exactly really changes and look and a lot of religion is rooted in have you heard of pre-flood civilization like before noah yeah well there's a lot of civilizations around here that all have accounts of flood that weren't connected okay. and so they have an and these are it dates back twenty five thousand, fifty thousand years where they're History of humanity is actually looked at at a lot. It's been a, it's been a lot longer, been around than the biblical narrative of like six thousand years, yeah. and so. But that's a whole other podcast. We won't go there. Okay. Well, we'll today. save that then when because we when you have when you come back. I mean, I love. Let me do some more research. I'll come fucking prepared. Okay. Well, dude, I'll I'll come too, and we'll have a, we'll have a chat about aliens and pre-flood civilization, and yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm there's got to be some sort of explanation there. I remember hearing. That uh, is an example. Yeah, okay. That the story of Christmas and St. Nicholas. Yeah. And the whole, you know, fairy tale of this you know, guy going around and trees and all that was the result of psychedelic use. Yeah. Out of Russia. I've heard the same thing. That it was, you know, 
and that mushrooms were under grown underneath evergreen trees in that environment. And yeah. They caused you to be more giving and <laughs> Yeah, if you if you look at uh it all goes way, back to the drugs, baby. <laughs> it all goes back to this these plants. Yeah. And if you there's if you study the Christmas there's a there's a whole if you look at the biology of how the, the the brain and the spine and the pineal and the a certain amygdala the, the certain ways that these work it's actually completely in alignment with the whole story of Christmas and so originals original thought was Christmas was a like artistic expression of what happened inside okay. of the human when they were experiencing intelligence that seems more pure than the commercialization of it that's happened well the commercialization of anything is yeah, not the it's most pure thing. It's a problem, yeah. well, okay, what was your question, by the way, bro? Yeah, I just have one question. Who's been the most influential person in your life, whether that's before getting into music or film or someone that you've worked with? Yeah, the most influential person has been a guy by the name of Garrett White. He was my original mentor. And uh, the only reason is because he's been, he was in my life the longest and he was a true mentor. He found me when I was 24. I was creative. I was, I was talented. But he really saw into me and cultivated and brought out the best of me for over a long period of time. He's had the most influence on me. And to this day, we're friends, brothers. He's a mentor. Sometimes I mentor him. And um, it, the, the seasons of mentors, I think, man. Because I can think about other popular names. I love looking at multidisciplinary creatives. Guys like Justin Timberlake, who he's a singer, he's a dancer, he's also a man, a father, a husband, a businessman, an investor, a golfer. I love seeing multidisciplinary people. Those are the people I learn from the very most because they're fully dynamic. And those guys are the guys I feel like are the most free. I, you know, the billionaire afraid of the bouncy house is the way that I put it, where I'm like, man, cool, great. I love that you were competent in this other area, but you're afraid of the dance floor, man? Or like vice versa. I'm like, oh, the ballerina afraid of a sales call. I'm like, come on, man. Like, yeah. Be multidisciplinary. There's a local guy, his name is Justin Lutgrote, runs a venture capital company, and I worked for him back when I was 18, 19, uh, 19 20. And um, he came up with this thing. He's like, listen, Jer, regardless of what you do, you have to become a full stack entrepreneur. Gone are the days of being super specialized and being blind about other areas of entrepreneurship. You need to be a full stack entrepreneur. And it made me creative. It made me a technical CEO instead of a bang on my chest leadership CEO, which it, it made me creative. I was like, I'll go learn design. I'll go learn copywriting. I'll learn video creation. I am a leader and a founder. And now the, the most valuable thing I can do with myself these days is Think, make decisions, and lead. Those are like the highest leverage thing. You know, make decisions with resources, with people creatively. Like the more you grow up in leadership, the more you, the less you use, you're in the weeds, you're just in the weeds with your mind. But getting there, I, 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 I value now. I can talk to developers. I can talk to designers. I can talk to marketers. I can talk shop across all of it. So that was what inspired like, getting with Garrett or seeing guys like these celebrities who are multidisciplinary leader creatives. I love that. I seek to be one of those. That's why I do comedy. Total, dude. Yeah. Exactly. You are one. That's the thing. You are one. Thank you. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. When you can be competent in a few ways, real freedom 
starts to occur and fun like when you see the overlap that like the development of skill translates into multiple areas if you let it yeah it's like when i learned how to be a public speaker and then i got into stand-up comedy 80 percent of the stuff translated yeah i had to unlearn 20 percent of the stuff because it was fucking up my stand-up i bet but now knowing the difference it's like a gear i can oh if i'm over here i can do this if i'm over here i gotta switch into this other way but i think for me the question i I, I, I felt the twinge of jealousy when I heard you talk about Garrett because I don't have like an individual like that in my life that is mm. like a, a touch a, a touch mentor, meaning like yeah. it's, he's right there, I could touch him. You know? Yeah. Um, there's been many authors that have, I think that I've gotten the most out of two different authors where I've really dived into their work and embodied it and learned it and then live it. And those authors are T. Harvecker. He yeah. wrote the book Secrets yeah, yeah. of the Millionaire. I saw him Mind. live at some events. He's a up. very dynamic speaker. Yeah. Really great guy. Really charismatic, charismatic, awesome likable guy. Stage. Yeah. And his his book and his seminars and everything, like it was the perfect time in my life where I needed that adjustment of mindset. I needed to understand things like the law of attraction. Yeah. I needed to understand that my beliefs were the limiting factor, nothing else. Yeah. And then the second one is Neil Donald Walsh. Oh, yeah. He wrote the series of books called Conversations with God. Yeah. I believe there's five in that series. There might be more by now. But as somebody that grew up religious, I had a really warped understanding of God and the blending of mercy and justice and oh, yeah. how it works. And when I got divorced from my first wife, I got excommunicated from the church. Wow. And that really That's threw my spirituality into a into a kind of a funk. Yeah. Because this God that I had been looked at as that I'd been looking at as the uh, the one that approves of me, the one that loves me, the one that blesses me was turning away from me via his church, right. which is how I believed it. But yet I still had moments of peace and moments of love and and I stumbled across this book and I I I real I had as many spiritual experiences as I had reading that book in the temple, mm. on my mission, mm. other spiritual environments, like it really allowed me to feel God touching me. Wow. Like, okay, this is, this is okay. And it, it reframed for me like who I actually believe in as God. Yeah. And that has been really transformational in who I've become and who I'm continuing to become. The blessing of, as I've gotten, as you say that, the more I've, ah, I experience year after year, the more God is, becomes undefined yeah. and yet refined. Does that make sense? Yep. So when you talk about that, it's like feeling the grace and understanding that and that Neil Donald Walsh's stuff is really good. I haven't read all of it, but I've read some of it and it's, it's, um, man, it's just a graceful lens. Yeah. I mean, really to have, to have the idea, I mean, the premise of his books are a conversation with God. It's written like a screenplay, like yeah. God's talking, he's talking, God's yeah. talking. And to look at it in such a definitive way of like, you know, to believe in some way that this is actual God's communication to me was empowering. Yeah. Because in religion, you're just told to guess. It's in the scriptures, like, oh, no, fault. It just doesn't, you're like, this is, this yeah. doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. There's too much. Therefore, yeah. Hither to force, seven thou, thou hast the verily. Yeah. Know? Verily I said unto you, and it came to pass. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of it came to passes. Yeah, there's a lot of passing. A lot of coming and passing, you know what I mean? Plenty. <laughs> Plenty of caming and Plenty passing. Plenty of knowing. Yeah, all that. But, That's beautiful so it, you it mentioned that. It gave me that. something that, and I realized through that experience too that the, the, the thing that Neil Donald Walsh did to write that book, the communion with God where he spoke and then God answered and he was in this meditative place and he was writing these things. Yeah. Is 
accessible to anybody. I have moments in my journal where I chose to write that, where I would be in a thing where I'd feel oh, yeah. this chaos inside oh, yeah. me, and I would type out a question, and then I would sit, and I would let the chaos dissipate, and I would write the answer in the form of God's words back to me, and it was always beautiful. It, it was, still it, is. Isn't it wild? Yeah. I love what Jesus says. You know, see, His first words in ministry was, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the mention of the kingdom in the New Testament is like a hundred and something times, whereas being reborn is mentioned once. And people are like, I'm a born again. Like, yeah, but are you a kingdom? Like, do you know that the whole Bible, New Testament, God's, Christ's whole thing is about the kingdom of heaven and how it's supposed to come back to this kingdom and how the kingdom of heaven is within. And I became obsessed with the kingdom of heaven. I was like, what is this kingdom of heaven that Christ is talking about? And that, what you just talked about, when we are present and we allow our awareness to be with the kingdom that is within, the wisdom and the clarity and the insight just comes out. And so conversations with God... Bringing that full circle, it takes away the confusion. Yeah, So it it removes evil. It does, yeah. Just the acknowledgement of the kingdom within you. Well, dude, we've, uh, how long have we gone, bro? Hour 40. Hey, did I answer your question? Oh, yeah, I did answer your you question. Did, yes. yeah, thank cool. you. So, dude, Jeremy, thank you so much for yeah. finally coming to the Great show. Great time, man. Yeah. What conversations? Far reaching. So fun. The spectrum was wide. I felt like this is, you're the type of friend where, like, we could, you know, we head up to the, you know, the special place white we pipes. got white pipes. Yeah. Smoke a cigar, chat deeply. Yeah. Leave with smiles on our face and hearts full. You know? Exactly. And I feel that way now. I appreciate your uh, your energy and your yeah. your presence here. This has been fun. Thank you. Where it's, can people go to find you? So go to jeremyfinlay.com. Uh, F-I-N-L-A-Y is how my name is spelled. And you can find me on Instagram, obviously, and Twitter and all those places. Go to jeremyfinlay.com. I'm uh, launching a, a, a meditation and focus app for and a streaming service for entrepreneurs called Quantium. Okay. Um, you'll find that if, you're, if anyone's interested in wanting to like understand what I'm about or see... The I've got 80 documentaries I've put out that are on that platform. I've got all sorts of fun stuff. If you want to understand like what I've done over the years, and you can go there. Okay. Well, I'll make sure I get the proper writing of that so we can put it in the show notes. You've got a deal, my, my friends. Friend. Thank you once again for listening and viewing stand up. You know the drill. If you enjoyed this, share the share it, tag us in uh, anything you do on social. If you're willing to leave us a five star rating review, follow on YouTube, all the stuff. I got a ton of asks. Just yeah, just like, do the follow, things. Do man. the things. All right, anyway. That's all we got.